We said Duke had been quiet and maybe it was for good reason. Could the fact that last night upset tell us more about the young stars that they have on their team not quite being ready? Or was the lack of whiteheaded likely so big for the Blue Devils that it turned out to be one of those things where it could be a long season if everyone can't stay healthy? We'll talk about that as well as the Miami upsetting Virginia on last night's games and a preview of the Jumpman invite. Let's talk about it on today's show with Kenton Gibbs of Locked on Wolfpack. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. I'm your host, Candace Cooper. Thanks so much for joining me today. Please know that you can subscribe to the podcast from anywhere you listen, as well as watch our lovely faces each and every day on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel. We're almost close to 1,000. Listen, 827. You can help us get to that nice final point by going to youtube.com slash Locked on College, and we're right there for you. Kitten Gibbs of Locked on Wolfpack in the building to help us through today's show. We are talking a little basketball today, some upsets that were around the men's basketball corner, and maybe an upset around the women's basketball as well. We'll go over that as well as tonight's matchups, any games that we should have our eyes out for. Now, we know the show is usually just a nice little recap, but I think it's more of a come to Jesus. Maybe it should be, or quiet as it's kept. Maybe it could be for Duke Blue Devils who were upset last night by Wake Forest, 81-70. to 70. I'm just going to sit here and say, it was all Demon Deacons all night. There were moments where Duke kind of cut the lead and got back into the game, but ultimately it was the Demon Deacons who were sharing the wealth from their starting five that made it a great game for those guys in black and gold last night. Kenton, how are we feeling about this Wake Forest upset from the Blue Devils to the Blue Devils? I mean, it, like you said, it was a very balanced performance by Wake Forest. Obviously, um, when you when you have guys who step up to the plate and do what needs to be done in terms of, like I said, you do not replace an Applebee one for one. And when he comes back, he's not going to be a hundred percent off of um, off of whatever. I believe it was a lower leg injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I he wasn't. You weren't going to expect him to be a hundred percent knocking down everything when he comes back. So you don't just bring him back in and say, hey, you're going to need to go legend and get us 30 if we're going to win this game. Everybody has to elevate their game, and that's what this team did. From wire to wire, I don't believe that they trailed uh, for much of this game at all, and that that was because, again, everybody chipped in, every starter in double digits, every starter doing something at a high level. That's that and beating, uh, beating Duke on the boards, which, yes, you can attribute to some of their bigs being missing and all that, but at the end of the day – it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's there, who's not there. You can only play who's in front of you and wait for us, beat the guys that were in front of them on the boards. They beat them in the hustle. They beat them in the effort and they beat them on the court. They got the win. Absolutely. And then you look at it from a statistical standpoint, it literally was shooting literally for almost 50% of your shots, Wake Forest. They couldn't miss. Then you 36% from the three-point percentage, and you have 84% of your free throws, and you just outdo Duke from every capacity. And I just think they were outmanned. Shire talked about before the game happened, they were going to have to grow up a little bit. Some of the young guys going to have to play in a hostile environment and figure out how to win. And unfortunately, it came up short. Only bright spot to me would be Jalen Blakes, who came off the bench and had 70, 17 points, Try his best, you know, to offer up that little bit of extra help and 
came short, but still it was something that maybe they can look forward to. And as Shire's figuring out his rotations as the season progresses, it might be some considerations should Whitehead and likely be unable to return in a timely fashion. So there was that 81-70 victory for the Demon Deacons. Feeling good about it. You know, top 15, being a top 15 team is what we talked about for Wake Forest needing to do when you want to be an NCAA tournament consideration. That is a step in the right direction. Am I right? Oh, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that this game was, again, you're you're looking at what you have in, in Duke's backcourt with your bigs that are supposed to be the stars of the show. They're supposed to be uh, two of the highest, the, the highly touted recruits coming in. You have got to have your backcourt step up and have a huge night while they're out or at least be serviceable while they're out. And what did they end up doing? Uh, Roach and Proctor combined for 15 points on five of 14 shooting, two of nine from deep. So, I mean, you're looking at six turnovers against three assists. That's not going to get it done. That's yeah. never going to get it done when, again, you're you're already behind the eight ball in terms of injuries, and then your backcourt plays like that, it's a recipe for a loss. A thousand percent agree. Let's switch gears because we've been talking so high about this team and they are on the fast pace to continue doing great things. Miami, number 22 right now in the country, just took down number six, Virginia, who was already coming off that loss against Houston, was looking to bounce back, but came up just short 66-64 was your final score. And Miami is arguably the best team here in their ACC. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Now, when I said that Miami was playing down to their opponents, Miami fans jumped me and said that, oh, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. It did it up. They just beat one of the best teams in the nation. Yeah. They just handily beat one of the best. And really, I say handily because Virginia had to come back to make this game uh, much closer at the end. So with that being said, they just beat one of the best teams in the nation. There's no reason you should be struggling with three win teams. There's no reason. But with that being said, let's talk about this game. Again, Miami, they are who they are. Wong is who he is. He's going to give the look. game away. <laughs> he, I'm going to tell you this. Wong is looking more and more like the ACC player of the year early. Yeah. He's looking like he's going to run away with that thing early. And and at the end of the day, I mean, you're playing at one of the, you're playing for one of the best teams in the conference. But not only are you playing for, you're leading one of the best teams in the conference. Yeah. You're the guy that when it gets tough, when they say, "All right, it's late in the game. They've seen all our sets." They know what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. We just got to roll the ball out to somebody and get a bucket. Isaiah yeah. Wong has been that guy. Another very efficient night, um, shooting above 50% from the field, 8 and 9 from the uh, from the charity stripe and 2 or 3 from deep. Did a little bit on the board, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, Wong has been the guy. He This team will go as far as he carries them. And, again, there are other guys showing up and doing their thing as well. But – the, what Isaiah Wong is doing is is nothing short of putting out Herculean efforts here. And, you know, I think that when you look at just – we were talking about Wake Forest and how they shared the ball, passed the ball, ball from that really was a struggle for Virginia. Their starters had a very off night. Shedrick with only two points. You had Gardner with only eight points. You had Franklin with no points. I mean, Kihei Clark did everything for the team on his back, but still only 13 on the night. But Vanderplas, Ben Vanderplas certainly was the highlight with 20 points, doing everything he could to get that team back in the game. But as you mentioned, it was 
all Miami. It was all Isaiah Wong with his 24. And I think ultimately, you know, the team goes through him. And it's nice to get that identity early. A lot of teams are still looking for who they are in come end of December as they get ready for a conference play in the thick of it in January. But Miami pretty much has established itself that with their, with Isaiah Wong, they are damn near unstoppable. And those those guys around him definitely build and make him better. I mean, Virginia is, is doing standard Virginia things, right, in terms of they're going to play some really tough defense. They're going to make it hard on you. And – Isaiah Wong just found a way to beat that defense in his game. But even beyond that, they also did Virginia things in that sometimes that offense is going to be very anemic. And that's what happened in the first half there. That's what happened with Keyhead Clark the entire game. I mean, the 13 points is a little deceptive when you realize he was 2 of 10 from the field. Like at the end of the day, this is this is a, a situation where uh, if this team wants to go anywhere, they want to do anything special, at least for Virginia basketball standards, Kihei Clark is going to have to be a guy who steps up and leads this team in multiple ways. And then the other part of this thing is it became a situation where, I mean, at the end of the day, if if Kihei Clark is your elder statesman and he's the guy that you trust with the ball in his hands, he makes the passes that causes for good ball movement, sure. But again, at some point in time in the game, you're going to need a guy that you can roll the ball out to and say, hey, we need a bucket. Go get us one. And they kind of struggled to find that guy in this game. A thousand percent. All right, we're going to roll through here and talk more about the Tuesday night's matchups. But first, bet online. We've got to get you some game right. If you bet on last night's games and you had some upsets, please let us know. Hit us up at Locked on ACC on YouTube. Hit us up on our comments and let us know how you made out. But bet online is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. If you love sports podcasts, you even find that at bet online as well, especially with this college basketball and bowl season right around the corner. There are so many opportunities to win a lot of money. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more simply because bet online is where the game starts. So we're rocking and rolling. Talking to Kenton Gibbs of Locked On Wolfpack, Tuesday night's matchups, and there were some big wins for other teams, not necessarily ranked, but Pitt figured out how to win one against Syracuse at Syracuse. I'm just sitting here to say, are we feeling like Pitt could be turning this corner to where they're going to cause a little stir in conference play? I'm happy for them to be finally in the conversation for Capel and the boys. I mean, early in this season, they're looking as though they're they're in that conversation or could be in the conversation to be one of the surprise uh teams of the year but with that being said so far in conference you beat nc state and syracuse two teams that were either middling or worse expected to be middling or worse in the conference the big test for them is coming up on the 30th here ending the year with uh the university of north carolina and then they're starting off next year with uva those two games back to back will tell us a lot more about this team which you want to feel good about them you feel like this could be a feel-good story but we're going to see how long that feel good lasts. And, you know, there's another team that we must call to the carpet here, Louisville. Listen, we told them that they had to figure out how to win three out of five. We had the gimmies. They were right there for the alley-oop. They were on a streak beating Western Kentucky, beating FAMU. They had Liscombe that was supposed to be a gimme. NC State, Kentucky, that was going to be a challenge. And yet here we are, about to sit here and tell you, that Louisville lost to Lipscomb University 75 to 67 last night. And I'm just saying it's a head scratcher. But with Louisville, is it a head scratcher at this point? Any team that they lose to, are you even remotely surprised? 
losing to Lipscomb at home is absolutely a surprise. Unacceptable. I, I, Borderline unacceptable. I just, you know, I just don't understand it. Um, and and uh, somebody, please help L. Ellis out. He's doing all that he can. Team on he's, his back. He's doing all that he can. The 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 man needs some helping. It's he's not getting it in the form of uh in the form of of anybody on this Louisville team. I mean, outside of him, like this this team went two of nine from deep outside of of his ability to shoot the ball there. Um, outside of him, again, when you look at baskets overall, they were sixteen of forty two. Sixteen of 42 this was a a very very rough game for almost everybody not named ellis or withers uh for louisville and this how is much percent like, is 16 of 42 that's what two percent i 16 of 42 that's more than more than two percent but I, I don't think it's a very high one at all uh but the reality is again you you can't just you can't live like this that is 38 percent okay. so the team shot 38 percent outside of um outside of Ellis and and again that was bought up that was also bought up by Withers who shot 40 percent on the night so you're looking at a tough situation this team they're you know they're in a hole but once again we come to people and say you're gonna play at home you're gonna play a team you know you're supposed to beat have some pride about you period have some pride about you yes and and not only that again there needs to be more ball movement more player movement there should be no way that you're playing Lipscomb. You forced 14 turnovers, and yet you only have 10 assists on the night. Is it too much ego, amigo? We talk about this sometimes with Carolina bas- men's basketball, especially, that there's too much iso ball. There's too many by- too many people trying to be the hero, but they're not coming up and running the plays, or they're trying to overdo it, and they end up turning it over. I don't need to see you do it through your legs four times. I just need you to make the bucket. What happened to fundamentals? I'm going to tell you this. When your assist to turnover ratio is one to one against Lipscomb, there has to be something because if it's not, if it's not a, and and here's the other part of this, mm-hmm. because as much as, as much as I hate to do this, as much as I hate to have this conversation, Kenny's not Louis, the guy Louisville's head coach needs to be called to the floor here because okay. you have enough talent again, forcing 14 turnovers. I don't know how many were live ball versus how many were dead ball turnovers, but the reality is this. If you have forced that many turnovers, a good amount of those should result in some type of break, some type of getting out on a break. If we say, hey, half of the 14 or even even five of the 14 let out to the break. OK, you get five assists on the break or we'll even say four assists on the break there. OK, so you got four assists on the break. How do you still end the night with 10 over the entire rest of the game? You only found six opportunities where guys saw somebody cutting, where guys saw somebody where you ran a play, you ran something to get your best guy to ball in his spot. And you could only come up with six situations where that was a pass leading to an immediate bucket. With this type of, I don't care what you say about what Louisville does or doesn't have talent-wise, they have enough talent to where Lipscomb, again, at home, should not be a situation where you can't at least get some ball movement going. So. I know Louisville Coach K. I know for- Coach K is probably calling Coach Nolan Smith, assistant, being like, "I'm here for you, dog. I however you need help, come to the carpet. Like, let's just. How can I assist you? Because at the end of the day, I think Coach Payne and the boys have to have a come to Jesus as an internal coach huddle. 
how to make the season go a little bit better, how to write the ship, because it's it's looking pretty dicey. And the worst part is Nolan Smith is looking bad just by proxy that he's a part of this. And just it, by proxy. And it could be, it could be he is part of the ineptitude that's leading to this. It could also not be the case, but he's looking bad by by default. But it's looking ugly all the way around. We Absolutely. can we can all collectively say that. Absolutely. We got some big matchups happening on Wednesday night tonight here as we are uploading this episode. Virginia Tech will take on Boston College. Shouldn't be too much of a doozy for the Hokies, but it is in Boston College. And, you know, people might have stuck around in Chestnut Hill and could give the Hokies a little run for their money. Coach Grant is always good for a little upset. So, you know, I think that right now Virginia Tech is minus nine and a half, but crazier things have happened. So to me, I think Boston College is going to make this game closer. What about you? I don't think Boston College makes this game uh, closer than nine and a half. I, I think nine and a half is generous, and I think Vegas is trying to give away some money. I need to go ahead and take that. I need to go ahead and take that one on, right there. Hop on bet online right now. Get them bets in, baby. Make that line move. Because if they're going to give you, if they're only going to say they think they're only going to win by nine and a half, take it. Mm, okay michigan will take on north carolina in the Jumpman invitational down in charlotte on espn right now north carolina is minus five and a half but the michigan team is seven and three and they always you know at times have given north carolina fits the past couple years it's been all north carolina but this ain't the same last year team i will say that you know this is a very interesting game because this is a michigan team that they all the pieces are there and you look at them as though they should be good. And you say the same thing about North Carolina to an extent. Yeah. You say this is a, a national championship um, runner up that brings back all their pieces. What's going on? And then you look at the guard play. Then you look at the, the lack of ball movement. Then you look at all of those types of things. And that's what gives you pause and concern. You worry about as much as these guys have played together, there still seems to be a lack of chemistry there. That is just like if that chemistry were there, not only would this team be ranked, but they probably would still be a top 10, maybe higher team. But it's just like it's just like when Caleb Love gets that ball in his hands, he's never, ever, ever in his life seen a shot he didn't like. (laughs) And then you got R.J. Davis, who just at times just kind of fades into the background. And Armando Bacon is, is the only one that I can say full heartedly, wholeheartedly. He's going to consistently show up and do what he does at a high level. Or, I'm sorry, I'll throw uh, Leaky Black in there as well because he's a high-level defender at all times. But those are the only two of the group that you can count on consistently to do what they do at a high level. I think Pete Nance gives the best he can with what he got. I don't think he's Brady Manning and he does not bring that energy of last year, but he certainly has come up clutch. And at least from a defensive standpoint, been a little bit more of an improvement. I will say, though, I think that Hubert, is, on the positive, Hubert is learning the rotation. On the negative, even if the rotation can't flow together, they don't really matter. You could put all 12 of them jokers in there. If they don't know how to work together and pass the rock and just do the basic fundamentals of what y'all say Carolina basketball is sound to be, it don't make, it don't make you know. Never mind. So I'm hoping they figure it out sooner than later because, like you said, a lot of good conference teams are figuring it out early and they're going to be gelling. If you can't gel now, it's going to be very difficult come February, February and March when you're making those cases for your NCAA tournament spot. That's I, all I think that the uh, I think the worst part about it is a problem with a team that's this experienced that has played this much ball together that's struggling is generally the riffs don't get they they do one get of two worse. Things. They exactly they never stay the same. They either gel and figure it out or they get worse. 
They get yeah. worked over time. They get worse during the season. And by the end of the season, players are sending subliminal tweets out talking about, you know, the the uh, the ball don't got no owners and all that type of good stuff. And the pressure and, of the season is not getting lighter. Exactly, <laughs> you know, exactly. mistakes are getting higher. You haven't played the Battle of the Blues yet. And Lord knows if that goes poorly for you on top of dropping from num- being the fastest drop ever from number one to unranked. It's guys are not going to start liking each other more. Guys are not going to start wanting to pass the ball to each other more in that situation. So we'll see how this uh, thing plays out here, but it's, it's uh, this is a game that they should win and it's It's vitally important that they do. Yeah. It's definitely not a gimme. Georgia tech takes on Clemson. Clemson at minus two and a two right now on ESPN two, they'll face off at seven 30. And I think that it is going to be another, Hey, toss up could go either way. Both teams have what it takes to beat the other, but who's going to step up in the big time moment. I a hundred percent agree. This, this is not a, a battle of two teams that are, you know, terribly mismatched and, and that you're looking at and, and saying, man, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that uh, Georgia tech comes away with this thing because it's very possible, right? If Kelly gets hot at the right moment, you can see Georgia Tech pulling away with this game. If Franklin can dominate the board, you can see Georgia Tech pulling away with this game. But the same thing goes for Clemson, right? If you see Clemson and uh, Hunter has got that thing rolling as far as being the playmaker and distributor for Clemson that he's been all year, you're looking at a situation where Clemson could very easily run away with this game as well. I'm expecting a, a close and good game. But again, I wouldn't want to call it one way or the other. Exactly. I think the final game we want to talk about here is probably the most insulting game, and I'll tell you what. Notre Dame will face off against Florida State, currently minus one here on the Charts ACC Network. If I'm Notre Dame and you tell me that Vegas feels like I can barely beat a 3-10 and Florida State team that is not healthy and can barely put a game together, it's insulting. Coach, like, I'm just – Mike Ray, I'm insulted, right? If I would tell the guys, how dare they think so lowly of you? Well, normally Vegas knows something that we don't. <laughs> so Vegas knows something about somebody from Florida State coming back or somebody from Notre Dame being out that the rest they of They always know. seem to know. They know something because I, I'm with you here. Um, <laughs> I Excuse me. I don't exactly get what's going on here, and I know that Florida State has had problems with, with finding a, a solid point guard to be the, the distributor, the playmaker, figure things out in that realm. I know that they've had problems with health all year, but – only a one-point favorite in this game. And I know that Notre Dame is on the road, and I know that Notre Dame has shown at times that they can go ahead and piss down their leg a little bit. But I'm with you here. I'm a little confused as to, you know, I get it. Notre Dame's in the middle of a losing streak and all that, but I'm – this is tough. (laughs) It's tough to say that this is only a game that you're expecting Notre Dame to win by one point. They got – Vegas got a lot of hope and faith in Coach Ham. A lot of faith and hope. We got all these women's games that are going on a little bit as we're recording. So we're going to wait till Thursday to give you that recap. But we want to make sure you guys come back and listen to us. Follow us on our respective podcasts at Candace D. Cooper on Twitter at TGIF underscore Kenton on his respective Twitter. And make sure that you come back before the holiday closes out. We want to get you ready for that big bowl game happening between Wake Forest and Missouri, the Gasparilla Bowl. We know you are prepped and ready for winning some big money there and prepping you for what should be a good New Year's season in terms of bowl action, all the National Day signings and all the things, which, Kenton, I know you were just scrolling through the timeline getting your tractions going for everyone who is coming towards this ACC, especially NC State. 
Yeah, I've been uh, I've been peeping some of the players that have flipped, some of the players who haven't quite signed yet, but even though they're committed and all that, it's, it's been a quite interesting time. And before we end the show, I want to say yeah. this, and I don't want to go on too long of a tangent here. I think it's very strange the way that people commit or treat these athletes and they're committing to a school. Mm-hmm. A lot of athletes, again, I can tell you with 100% certainty, a lot of these coaches are not 100% honest with these athletes. I can tell you that as sure as the sun rises on the east and sets on the west, okay? And I think that it it is something so strange to me when fans say things like, well, if you're decommitting, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Are you going to decommit from the rest of your life for, for everything that's tough or everything? Players have a multitude of reasons for decommitting. It's not really any of your business, but even going beyond that, nine times out of 10, you're talking about somebody that's generally between 18 and 20 years old. Now, I'm sorry to tell you all this, but if the best and worst things that you did when you were 20 are the best and worst things that you do at 27, at 30, at 35, at 50, you have a problem, my brother, sister, friend in Christ. Please seek help. Seek therapy, okay? Seek something beyond therapy because you may have problems more intense than that. These are young men making decisions that they feel like are best for themselves and their families. Is that all? Do they always make the right decision? Absolutely not. So what? Is your school possibly the best decision for them? Very possibly, sure. But the reality is you should still show these young men the love and respect that you would or even not even the love, but just the respect that you would, even if they play for your school. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, these are folks making the best decision for them. And how would you feel if people came up to your job? Oh, you're leaving your podunk company for IBM? Ah, you're leaving for Apple? You're decommitting from the job that you said you were going to take because somebody else offered you more money? Stop it. Stop. Get out. <laughs> A hundred percent agree with you. I think at the end of the day, it's so much easier to be, you know, a couch analyst, a couch scout, you know, someone who doesn't actually have to put on the hat, go out on the field or deliver the plays. Like it's so much easier in that regard. But I hope the guys make the best decision for themselves and they really don't have the wrong people in their ear. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's all sports. It's all supposed to be fun. You know, we talk here on the show every day. We have conversations instead of just getting to the news because, hey, it's life is so much going on right now you might as well just enjoy a little bit of it while you can but we hope you guys have a great rest of your evening if you're traveling getting ready for that christmas holiday or whatever you celebrate you are making sure that you are nice smart and safe so we will come back again tomorrow with more women's basketball recaps and then get you ready for that bowl game for candace cooper and kenton gibbs until next time